Welcome to the TurfNet Renovation Report, sponsored by Golf Preservations, the Greens Drainage Specialist. I'm your host, Anthony Piopi, and my guest today is Middletown, Connecticut resident, just like me, Scott Ramsey, superintendent of the Yale Golf Course. How you doing, Scott? All good, Tony. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time, and uh, let's first of all start off with how your spring into June has been with your golf course. Uh, I think everybody's a little out of sorts with this spring. I just uh, it was a spring that never happened and went pretty much straight to summer. Um, for me personally, we had a lot of uh, labor challenges. Just labor forces transitioning here, and it took us till about a week and a half to get everybody in place. So. In uh, hockey terms, we were playing a man down for three periods or two periods, and now uh, the final period of the season is coming up this summer of 2018. So right. we're starting to shape. We're starting to round into shape. That's good to hear. Now, for people who don't understand your situation, kind of explain what goes on as far as how you fall within Yale and what what Yale directs you to do as far as manpower and things like that the um, very unique situation here we're uh, a private uh, club per se but truly we're a university golf course in the truest sense of the, of the uh, name university golf course we uh, cater to the um, greater Yale uh, community uh, we still have a $25 greens fee for students uh, our primary um, uh, customer are the Yale varsity golf teams, men's and women's. Uh, we do have a membership. Uh, most of it is alums and uh, folks from the uh, Yale community, but there are several who do not um, have an affiliation with Yale. But um, we are part of the athletic department, and uh, with that we also have a union labor workforce which is uh, in um, which staffs the entire Yale University. Uh, last week, I was just referring to staffing up. Uh, we were able to get some relief and come up with a, a creative program, and we just added dining hall workers for the summer, who are now doing clubhouse landscape work, and uh, Yale student athletes who are doing all of our detail work out in the golf course. So it's kind of a three-prong approach to staffing. So. It's interesting. <laughs> and how, yeah. And how big is your year-round staff? Uh, currently, it's at five. Uh, we are budgeted for uh, ten, and uh, by next month, we'll have everyone in place to get back to ten. Um, unfortunately, through some injuries and, and uh, personal challenges, uh, we were we lost a few folks for a period of time here and there. And uh, everyone's starting to phase back in. So uh, it's uh, the short answer is uh, 10, um, and we're at 7 now, and we'll soon be back to 10. All right, and so now when we're talking about renovations, yours isn't one of our uh, – your, your renovation is we're going to – or restoration is we're going to talk about. Correct. Isn't, isn't a situation where a golf course gets shut down for a period of months – and whatever needs to be done, whether that be bunkers or irrigation or drainage, and in your case, one of the most prominent is is recapturing original green sizes. So l- let's back up for a second. How long have you been at Yale? So I started uh, August 26, 2003. So okay. I'm about to complete my 15th year. Uh, this is my 15th summer here, so uh, it's uh, it's been a good run. I uh, I uh, enjoy every minute of it, and 
sometimes refer to myself as the uh, director of the Department of Applied Botany at the Yale University. <laughs> <laughs> and your course is in the middle of a forest that is owned by Yale, correct? Yes. Yeah, so it's a very unique property. We are in the city of New Haven. We're about a mile due west of uh, the central part of campus, about a half mile due west of the Yale Bowl. And uh, it is completely and utterly surrounded by forest. Um, we have 450 acres of property, and uh, everything that abuts us is uh, water company property. And so there's thousands and thousands of acres of uh, just open space and wildlife and uh, all kinds of good stuff. So everyone comes out, and it's a complete refuge from, from urban, uh, residential uh, type of golf. So it's, it's really cool. And isn't there, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a point in the history where there was actually elk? Was it elk on site and, uh, and they were there until uh, somebody got gored in like the 1930s? I, you know, uh, here, anything's possible, you know, <laughs> anything's possible. There have been all kinds of studies and all kinds of things going on. Uh, there was a hippie commune in the 60s that was in, an, was in one of those octagon styrofoam houses. Um, I've heard the elk story. I don't doubt it. I right. can't confirm it, but I don't <laughs> doubt it. So, so when your tenure began, was there a rest, was restoration already underway? And this is a very, this is piecemeal restoration. This is a step by, this is a slow process to get this course back to where it should be. Was it underway when you, when you arrived in 2003? Basically it was completed when I arrived or at least the bunker, uh, let me rephrase that. The bunker restoration was complete by the time I arrived um, there were two bunkers um, that uh, that were under discussion to be redone from the redone, and um, we did that on 13 and on 17. The principal's nose on 17 and Redan bunker on um, 13, but uh, or the fortress bunker. Right. So um, so basically, when I came in for an interview, I my my quote that I borrow from a friend of mine is somewhere out in that forest is a wonderful golf course. And, um, you know, they had all the intent and everything to begin a tree program, begin um, an irrigation program. Uh, they started the drainage work. Um, so there were a lot of things going on, but uh, we just needed uh, one guy to, you know, uh, shepherd it through. And uh, so the money was in place. The intent was in place. I just had, you know, uh, as the book Outliers goes, I was just the right guy at the right time. I, I think a, a perfect example of how the course, had, how the university, for lack of a better term, maybe had ignored the golf course is there was a there was a, a Yale golf course hat with Charles Blair McDonald's name on the side of it. Yes. Because at the time they thought he was the architect and it turned out to be Seth Rainer, but McDonald's name is spelled wrong. <laughs> and to me that just kind of gives an indication of uh of where where the focus was and how much priority they were putting in the golf course. But in the intervening years since that that's happened, I mean it's amazing what's happened to that golf course. And I want to talk specifically tree work was done over time in irrigation, but let's talk about how you went about restoring greens to their original size, including, I want to say, is was it 3,000 square feet on one green? Uh, <clears throat> here at Yale, we don't measure greens in square feet. We measure in acres, oh. no, Tony. We measure in acres. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how many acres did you restore? 
we're up to about six to seven acres of uh, spray. We spray seven acres of green, so with some okay. collar okay. approach and stuff like that. There is 6.25 to 6.5 acres of green space, actual green space. So we have greens that are 20,000 square feet. We have greens that are 15,000 square feet. I think our smallest one is now 9,000 square feet. But uh, which is what? Which is what's your smallest green? <clears throat> number five, short. Right. So right. You know, and the largest is and largest is nine, nine, which is now at uh, twenty thousand square feet. You know, twenty. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you got there, there was no green, if I remember correctly, that was out to its original None. intended dimensions, right? None. So um, when I was at the orchards, I was at the orchards prior to Yale and prepping for the uh, Women's Open, and I did a lot of research uh, there for, you know, whether it was at Pinehurst or many other Donald Ross courses. So we did a lot of expansion work there. So I had some background and some intent um, when I came here, and then through, you know, uh, George Botto and, and company, I don't want to keep naming names because I'll forget somebody, but uh, it was a really, really rabid group of folks that really wanted to see Yale um, uh, succeed. And I know that yourself and Dr. Klein wrote some great articles that really got things rolling about, you know, uh, just just taking care of things. But um, basically, um, I just listened a lot and uh People talked to me a lot, and uh, I filtered things out, and uh, basically I just started probing um, soil surfaces, and uh, I was told that that uh, Seth Rayner used a cinder layer um, as a drainage medium or a choker layer or whatever it might have been back in the day. So I basically identified where the choker layers were around the perimeters of the greens, uh, and um, that was pretty much my template with a 1934 aerial photograph that Mr. Tony Pioppi seems to come up with every now and then. <laughs> and and when when you did when you did this, you realized that there was massive portions of some of these greens that needed to be recaptured. Well, and again, this is you know it's great having like a, I get architects that come through all the time. I get architectural geeks that come through all the time. And we have great conversations. And, you know, it all started at the orchards, um, seeing different folks come through and whatnot. And they would just, you, you could just see where the land was, was massaged. And where, here at Yale, nothing's massaged. It's just massive. And you could see where the corners were. You could see where the shaping was. And you, once you kind of get the eye for it, you just know where the intent of where the surfaces are. So, uh, you know, it's an acquired base and acquired talent, but um, we could pretty much go right to a corner and find, you know, this cinder layer, and uh, it was pretty cool, pretty cool. And when you think you were taking, how much were you capturing our greens? Was it two to 3,000 square feet at times? Was it that much? Uh, no, I never really did that much. Uh, my goal was, um, in talking to Donnie Beck, Donnie, you know, always had his uh, plug nursery that he would... Donnie, we should mention that Donnie Beck is a superintendent at Fisher's Island. Thank you. And um, so, so I only had like two or three thousand square feet of plug nursery, and uh, so if everything went wrong, um, you know that's all I could repair with. So I, I kind of took it as an onion and kept peeling the onion back or building the onion out 
um, you know, each year. So, uh, you know, we, we can't close. We can't uh, just do it all in one step. But, um, you know, every year somebody's excited about, wow, look at that. So it's kind of nice in that fact that, you know, every year that we're, we're enhancing the place. So now I've got my pug nursery up to about 15,000 square feet. I've got this massive nursery behind the shop that's really cool. So ultimately I can replace a whole green if I and and when you the idea with the plug nursery is so that when you're putting down when you're resodding that you have these phenomenal old varieties of grass that go back to 1926 when the course opened and it's so they match so it's a mix of german bents it's a mix of velvets it's a mix of pencross it's a mix of poa you know i mean the some of this poa here is better than anything else uh you know it's bulletproof you know it's it's matured and 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 uh, transferred to, you know, a permanent uh, type. So uh, it, it's pretty good stuff. And, you know, when we do do plugging, uh, which we're going to start next week, um, it, it matches really, really nice. And, it, and at times, were you doing greens expansion by just dropping height of cut? Uh, basically, 90% of what I do is I call scalp and pray. Um, <laughs> each, each fall... Yeah, each fall we we identify stuff, and this um, the winter of uh, of uh, seventeen into eighteen, we had prepped a bunch of areas by mowing them down uh, much closer, seeding, aerating, top dressing, seeding, aerating, top dressing. So it really started about a year ago with the aerating and top dressing and trying to get things to smooth out and match in, and then in the fall we lower the height down to probably collar height. And then in the spring, while the crowns are recessed, we'll start um, lowering from, you know, it might be 400 to 350 to 300 to 250. Now we're down to 130. Um, it took us April, May, and into June to get them to 130. And we're probably 80% successful, and we got to replace maybe 20%. Um, it, it'll get touchy during the summertime, you know, the heat right. and the roots and all that kind of stuff. And everyone knows it, but by um, close of business in 18, we'll have these perfect corners of, we, we just added probably two to 3,000 feet to the back of the ninth green and collar. Wow. And, and what are you overseeing with? <clears throat> so uh, my favorite right now is McKenzie. It seems to okay. be, um, you know, a nice name for classic architecture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, I've been experimenting with uh, A1, A4, G6. Um, I've used in the past, but it seems like 007 and McKenzie are, are the two superstars right now that, that really take off. What I'm looking for is germination at Green's height at maintenance levels. So uh, we've been able to get really good germination, not all the time, but uh, we caught it two pounds per thousand, and, and uh, the McKenzie seems to just power right up and go right through it and establish itself really, really well. That's awesome. Um, so let's do this. We're going to take a break right now from a word from our sponsor, and when we come back, I want to talk to you about trees. So we'll be right back. From green drainage to sod work, Golf Preservations can handle your project with ease and give you the peace of mind to know the professionals are caring for your valuable golf course assets. Visit GolfPreservations.com or call 606-499-2732 
to talk to us directly about your next project. Okay, we're back on the TurfNet Renovation Report. I'm talking with Scott Ramsey, who is the golf course superintendent at the Yale Golf Course. We just talked about green expansions, and I want to talk about how you take down trees uh, inside of a a university-run forest um, to restore restore these. And I want to make this specific point that the, you were restoring widths of fairways and around greens and stuff to original sizes. You weren't. You haven't gone anywhere beyond what the course was when it was built, correct? Uh, correct. Uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of folks will come in and say, well, Oakmont did this and whoever did that. And our aerial photograph from 1934, which is our template that I want to run by, doesn't. Uh, we're not clear-cut. We've never been clear-cut. Right. Uh, but we are restoring the tree uh, avenues or the uh, playing avenues with the trees back to the 1934, um, you know, obviously as things uh, turned around and settled in after the original construction. And uh, that's a first documented um, tree line, beans, uh, footprints, that type of thing. So, yeah, so... A lot of it was agronomy because um, around greens, we probably got a little bit more. I'm not an architect. I don't pretend to be an architect, but I do know where east and west and south are. And, um, you know, back in the day, you know, we built, they built the 16th green and the trees were, you know, 60 feet tall. We just took one out behind the 16th green this winter that was 125 feet tall. So um, that's quite the difference, isn't it, when it comes to summer? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, you know, what the 16th green, um, I actually had it uh, site coded up on my irrigation system to be a um, uh, 50% of, of my ET for the main part of the golf course. Uh, now that uh, we've removed all these trees just this year, it now has to go up to 125% of ET. You know, based on on uh, the need for the golf course. So uh, just that's just from uh, the air movement and the sunlight that it's now getting. And what do you have to do within the confines of, of u- the university structure to be able to take down trees? Originally, it was really hard. Um, what are you doing? You know, I mean, I think we took down, we, we t- picked an area between the third and fourth hole outside of the clubhouse and just wanted to come up with a stagger row that matched up with, you know, the original 19 or the 1934 aerial. And uh, we did that, and we were able to clean out the underbrush, and we were able to get the, um, the native grasses looking fairly good. And um, it, it was accepted. So the first year we just did one area, and everybody loved it. It was wonderful. It was a success. We used that equity in year two and uh, onward with a logging company, and we were doing 100 trees a day. And um, I don't even I don't even want to know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of trees we've done since then. But um, originally, uh, to answer your question, it was it was a hard sell. It, um, they had a plan, they had a need, they had a want, but um, it just uh, didn't didn't go through with it. So the first year we said try it, see if you like it. They tried it. Uh, year two, we went 2x. Year three, we went 3x. Right. And uh, right through um, probably 2009, we um, were taken down a 1,000 a year or more. Um, with the downturn in the economy, 
uh, all contract services were pretty much eliminated for a while. And just about, it's the, we're in our second year of tree pro, the tree management program being back again. So, and there's and there's a forestry program at Yale. Am I correct in that? There is a forestry program at Yale, and they come out occasionally. Um, part of this pro, part of this property, there's a preserve. It's called on it. Okay, and that's pretty much the forestry. Um, school comes out and examines whatever they examine and, and study whatever they study. But uh, in the meantime, they kind of look over the shoulder and they really haven't gotten involved, but they understand that uh, 90% of the trees that we've taken down are unhealthy, uh, are a hazard, and uh, ultimately will be um, a, a strain on the budget. Um, we just had a huge uh, storm blow through uh, Connecticut, and there are a bunch of courses and a bunch of towns and a bunch of schools closed that really suffered from Mother Nature's way of pruning with uh, macro bursts and micro bursts and tornadoes and that kind of thing. We had several uh, bits of damage around the property, but um, most of it was pretty inconsequential. 10, 15 years ago, we, we may not have reopened this year if, if that storm had come through here. Really, that and I remember a few years back when you had some trees down across the driveway after a storm, and the course Correct. was closed for a couple of weeks, wasn't it? Uh, it we were closed. Yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah, that was 2009 and 2010 um, with the hurricanes that came through. One kind of had easterly winds, and one had westerly winds, and they both presented all kinds of challenges. And uh, yeah, we had. We we still have some dead soldiers laying in the woods out here. We just, you know, they're in swampy areas and they're hard to get at. But, uh, yeah, we, we suffer when storms come through. But uh, I, th I think we've pre been pretty good in identifying who the weak soldiers are. And uh, once we thin the herd, uh, the rest really thrive. Uh, you did something a few years back that I thought was genius. There was a huge tree behind your 13th hole, which is the Redan. And I know you you wanted to take it down because of issues it was having with the turf. And when it turned out, it turned out when the tree was taken down, which was actually knocked over and didn't have to be cut down, that it was really diseased and hollowed out. And you left the stump there for yep. a while so that people yep. could see that you didn't take down a healthy tree. Yeah, and and unfortunately, ninety percent of the trees that came down this month in those storms, uh, I mean, they are completely and utterly rotted from the middle up. Most of them were either lightning damaged. Uh, or environmentally challenged, um, so they're getting old. I mean, everything has a lifespan, and a lot of the trees here uh, are reaching that. There's a lot of carpenter ants, a lot of rot, um, you know, and I guess from the forestry uh, school, they tell me that, that there aren't a lot of minerals in the soil, so um, the wood isn't even all that valuable for veneer or furniture because of the lack of minerals um, doesn't give it a quality grain and a quality color. So um, anyone who's been out here knows that most of this stuff is growing in the ledge and rock and rubble. Right. And when you're out there, it's amazing that anything grows there uh, when you realize how Correct. much rock there is and all of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in the trees suffer from that. So, right. yes. So I have to ask you this question because I ask you this every year or so, and it's probably time. The, the ultimate crowning part of the restoration at Yale would be to somehow restore the, the third green, which was a double punch bowl kind of thing. And we think it may have disappeared because of the rising level of the pond and because the fourth tee had to play over the edge of it. Is there ever any talk about something happening with that green? 
Um, there is. There's a lot of talk. Um, there's a, a real lot of talk. I think that would probably be the primary project that we take on at some point in the very near future. I, I don't have any plans. We don't have anything concrete, but I, I just sense um, the way the economy's going, the way Yale is, and the way the members are, and I, I just think that there's going to be a groundswell of activity for you know some more uh, concerted efforts. Um, I, I, I was just um, pretty much given um, $350,000 to finish the drainage plan. So you wow, that's fantastic. About, I'm uh, glad to we'll, hear that. We'll tie, we can tie all this in together, but part of it is to fix the, um, the creek um, elevations, uh, to drain the fairways, to capture the side hill seeps and all that kind of stuff. Right. So um, I probably could use that money elsewhere, but why would you do it without good drainage? Right. So, um, Especially because like that's spl- for people yeah. who don't know that's that green site borders a pond. Correct. And and, Correct. and drainage matters Correct. with that you know with how the, the pond level and all of that. Correct. So uh, basically, what I see is the reason the third green went um, out of service is there are many 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 punch bowls around the world that are agronomically just disasters. So there, there are, you know, if they're not built right, if they're just kind of thrown in the wrong situation, they are, you know, just subject to fail. It's a problem waiting to uh, come to the surface. Um, so basically, what they did, and um, they they just took uh, the right half and front half and bulldozed it all up on the left. Uh, the back left corner, right. elevated one piece and uh, put a pseudo uh, USGA greens mix on top of that and uh, built what is currently the third green. Do you know what year um, that happened? Um, it was in the, I, I'd like to say 54. Okay. Um, but right in that range, um, there is actual documented proof of that. I, if you're asking a specific no, no, I want, but post World War II, I mean, yeah. it wasn't something that happened, you know, the course opened in 26, it wasn't something Correct. that happened in 32. Correct, no, no, it, it went a while, and I think they just suffered with it for a while, but um, I, I think the way that, um, you know, I, I admire many good punch bowls, you know, I saw a nice punch bowl at Oxford Greens the other day. With oh yeah, that's a good, that's a Mark Mungum course, and that there's a really nice punch yeah. bowl out there. Yep. And, um, you know, obviously that's a newer design, but we've seen all the older courses and that type of thing, and, and I'd love to, you know, get that back. And that's one of the, the, the um, primary, primary projects that we'd like to take on as the tree program develops and the drainage is behind us. Right. So we're supposed to begin drainage. Um, we're supposed to begin it in two weeks, but I don't foresee that happening in two weeks. Right. No, and it's a, it's amazing too how much the university has really come to notice and you know give give proper attention to the golf course. You guys are hosting NCAA events now. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a huge change from two thousand when I first Correct. really got involved with this. You know, and and you know we've um, you know like any like everything in life there's an ebb and a flow, and I, I think with our staffing and and that type of thing we we're in a little bit of a a, a lull right now, but um, it's great. Just in the last two weeks, we we added all kinds of staff, and and uh, of course, really kind of snapped too pretty quickly. Yeah. So, uh, but that really kind of. Um, brought to the forefront that we need to have a permanent solution, not just you know 
not just whatever. But right. uh, with that and the university knowing that it's the number one college golf course and, and it is a museum piece, um, and they treat it like a museum piece, it just, we got to take the next step now. Right, and it's all there. I mean, the fact that or it's most of there. it's there, yeah. the bones are there, yeah. you know, it yeah. can be brought back pretty easily. It's not, it's not somebody yeah. trying to create stuff from looking at an aerial photograph that's 80 years old. It's, being, it's right on the ground. Correct, correct. It's all there. That's one of the nice things about, you know, a, a lot of things haven't been touched. You know, one of the main things you and I have talked about is Green's expansion, that kind of thing. Um, and again, Donnie Beck at Fisher's Island, you know, he's, he had a top dressing layer, and he had to remove um, top dressing layers. My predecessor of 50-some years didn't believe in top dressing. So uh, that was one complication that I didn't have to deal with. I just, I just had that to deal with. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, that was easier to take care of, and uh, I was able to just, uh, you know, do my uh, scalp and pray. And uh, we added a lot of runoff. Uh, you know, expanded the college, brought them out to the bunkers. You know, incorporated everything together, tied it together, that type of stuff. But um, you know, uh, we were able to do that. You know fairly successfully great well listen i want to uh thank you again for taking the time to uh to talk with me uh we're talking with scott ramsey the superintendent at the yale golf course uh it's always good to talk to you it's always enlightening and i encourage anybody even if it's if you don't want to play it to go out and see yale because from from me it is seth rayner's finest golf course i see the fingerprints of charles blair mcdonald who was officially a consultant on the project but it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, golf course and design and on a wild piece of property. Wild piece of property. It is. It, it is it's a challenge every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot. Okay. And you've been listening to the Renovation Report on TurfNet Radio.